BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Here for the Right Reasons, Us Weekly's Bachelor podcast. I am your host, Sarah Heron. A little bit of a chaotic scheduling week here at Here for the Right Reasons and Us Weekly, but I have a supersized, hopefully action-packed episode for you now that we are here. Um, I'm going to get into Bachelor in Paradise and have a sort of rant recap what the hell is going on on the beach, Um, bring in some of the stuff that's been said on social that gives a little bit of context to the Sally of it all, the Teddy of it all, the Justin, Kira, Sally stagecoach of it all. A lot's been going down offline um, and obviously on our screens. There's endless things to dissect, but also nothing at all because I don't know if anything is real and I don't know if we're supposed to care. Is it all a simulation? I don't know. It's so confusing. But then I spent a few minutes with Jill, who has obviously been pretty big so far on the season of BIP. Similar to my chat with Aaron, it was part of an ABC press junket. Got a few minutes, tried to get the information I could out of her in the time I had. So after I'm done talking, you'll hear from Jill. And then I caught up with Nick Vile, whose book, uh, Don't Text Your Ex, Happy Birthday, came out this week. Nick went into a lot about the book and dating and, of course, I brought it back to the Bachelor franchise. I know he might not be everyone's cup of tea, but his book is out. Big kind of week for Bachelor Nation in his world. Um, And I always enjoy talking to Nick. I really do. So we're going to go BIP recap, Jill, Nick Vile book interview. Skip around if you want. Maybe you're just here for me. I somehow doubt it. But if that's the case, I'm going to try to give it to you, you guys. How are we feeling about the season of Bachelor in Paris? I know this show has always been campy. It's less serious. But I think like moments of Jacob eating pineapple as corn, that's the ridiculousness I want. I don't need the 25 minute reenactment with wigs. That almost felt mean. And I just want to jump into the Sally of it all, because if you listen to this show or the first couple episodes of Clayton's season that I recapped, I am obsessed with Sally. Sally Carson, in case you missed the first 20 minutes of Clayton's season, was the runaway bride who called off her wedding in like late August because her fiance, I believe, cheated on her and then signed up for The Bachelor, which starts filming at the end of September. Her wedding was set for September, like 20 something. And that was the same day she filmed and was supposed to meet Clayton Limo entrance. So on her wedding day, instead of getting married, she decided to meet Clayton Eckerd and she spiraled naturally because this was an insane thing for her to do. And Clayton, which was our first red flag of, oh boy, offered her a rose and kind of tried to beg Sally to stay and tell her no pressure on the limo engine says, here's a rose now, as she just opened up about how she's not ready and kind of red flag after red flag for that time in her life. And then Clayton was like, girl, you should stay around. You should stick around. Maybe this could be a thing. 
iconic 20 minutes of television. That's the kind of stuff that I do like the breaking of the fourth wall. I love when real drama does get carried into the show in that kind of way. But when this story of Sally in paradise, I feel like they took a good thing. I think there's juice there. I think there's tea, there's meat. I do believe that Sally, you know, was wishy-washy about whether she was coming to paradise. I do believe they sent a producer to her house, but I think they obviously over-dramatized the situation. I don't think that was her suitcase. And I think that that's when it becomes like this weird level of, one, is this show supposed to be real? Is it supposed to be fake? Like, are we watching The Hills and just knowing that it's fake? Or are we watching the show that's supposed to be about like real love and real connections? It's a weird blurry line that Paradise has always had. And I, I don't know if I'm supposed to just sit back and take it for what it is. But then they cross these lines where I'm like, well, that was kind of mean. And now Sally's going to watch this and they're all, you know, making fun of her. And it just came off like from the quote unquote, she had diarrhea and they couldn't come in the house to locking a producer in the car. Like it just, it felt like it was too much for me. And this felt like a real story that does have tea. Like I love Sally. I am obsessed with her for the 20 minutes we saw her on TV. And I think it's fascinating that she's barely on this program and is causing like these waves. But why couldn't we have just told the story the way it really happened? I think it was too much. We see Lace find Sally's bag. We're reminded that none of the girls actually met her. Um, one of them kind of says that she went back to her fiance after her stint on Clayton season, which has been a long rumor. I think we can conclude that Sally and her ex-fiance maybe attempted to reconcile or at least were speaking again and clearly just struggling in this path of life of what they wanted to do. They open her bag. We find hair extensions. The waffle maker that she was given at the men tell all which is interesting because, or the women tell all, which is interesting because they cut her out of the women tell all. None of it aired. We didn't even see Sally being there. But one of the girls, I think it was Kate, the one who was also the real estate agent at Oppenheim Group, gave Sally a waffle maker that she saw was still active on her registry at the women tell all. And that didn't air, but they included it there. I thought that was a little strange. Um, they allegedly, you know, she spends three hours talking to her ex and he says he's no longer in love with me. He wants me to go to paradise. They think that means she's in um, her bag is through security. But Sally's ex calls her at the airport. She doesn't get on the plane. Yada, yada, yada. Again, I think there's some truth to that. I just don't think they told it in a way that was one fun to watch. I love Wells and the story time of it all could have been better. I think also without the reenactments, like I think Wells tells a great story, but I also, again, think it was over the top. Sally did, someone responded or wrote on her Instagram, wait, you left someone in the trunk for four hours, WTF, they could have died. Are you okay? Asking for a friend. And Sally responded that death did not happen. Try to remember it's a TV show. Kind of interesting because we haven't really heard much from Sally. She didn't post about Clayton's journey. She didn't really ever commit, uh, confirm she got back together with an ex or the ex or anything like that. So she responded to that comment. This also begs the question of what happened with Justin and Sally at Stagecoach. Genevieve, who spiraled for a full 48 hours, um, thought that Sally was coming in for Justin because it was all over Instagram that Justin was all over Sally at Stagecoach. It all comes back to Stagecoach, you guys. No one learned anything from Blake Hortzman. She said they were all over. Kira then said they were all over each other. She spelled the T on the show and then stole her vibrator is what I wrote in my notes because this fake vibrator of Sally's that they also put in the suitcase. And then Kira took it upon herself. She said on Twitter that it, that was her idea to do that little uh, gag of going into the boob room with the vibrator. So can't say anything about Kira, but she's down to clown. She's She said, I think it was her idea also to do the leaf, like jungle, be the Jane to Jacob's Tarzan where leaves around the beach. So she's a producer's dream in some sense that she's clearly signing up for all this stuff. But since we don't really know Kira, it just kind of comes off not weird. Like, I think good for her. She's confident. I think she's kind of getting a little bit of a bad edit. But I also am like, oh, if you're choosing to do this yourself, that's interesting to say it nicely. Um, 
Anyway, they were allegedly all over each other at Stagecoach. And now Kira and Justin have been fighting on Twitter about the situation. Justin claims he didn't even remember seeing Kira at Stagecoach. And she's saying they spoke. She has a group photo where they're on opposite ends of the picture, but they are at the same house, it seems. And she says she knows what she saw with Sally. Um, Kira is also in the background of Sally's Stagecoach Instagram. So Kira and Sally were definitely together at Stagecoach. They were all at the same place as Justin at one point, whether Justin and Sally were macking, as Kira called it, whether they were all over each other, we don't know, but I believe there's something there. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me that there wouldn't be. And I don't think Kira is full on making things up. I also think maybe some people are re- believing what they read on when they say it was all over Instagram, like a bachelor T account or Jumois or something. Always got to take that with a grain of salt. But I think this is a kind of a situation where, where there's smoke, there's some sort of fire. So Justin and Sally had some sort of interaction at Stagecoach that had Genevieve on pins and needles when she saw Sally's fake suitcase and thought Sally was coming. Also interesting in the background kind of note, you had Michael A and Andrew seemingly worried about Justin when he was coming back from his date with Victoria with all the Sally talk. They were like, oh, Justin, poor Justin. They're his friends. So I assume they meant that because they had something they were going to tell. Like they wanted to warn him that the Sally Justin thing was kind of getting exposed or blown up on the beach. That's my take from it. Sally is in the promo for next week. So I'm excited to see her. I feel like it won't last long, but um, again, fascinated with her and her decision to go on The Bachelor the same day she was supposed to be walking down the aisle. Intrigued by it. Andrew and Teddy is another one that I think a lot of people are talking about and feel like maybe there's missing pieces or there's more to the story. Teddy, pretty free... um, Teddy and Andrew, they didn't date beforehand, as far as I know, but they definitely were kind of set up by Bachelor Nation in a sense. You had Clay, uh, Andrew's cousin from Becca's season, tweeting about how they'd be a good match. They were both asked about each other at their respective men and women tell all. Us Weekly has a has a quotes gallery. If you want to check that out about what they said about each other, they were clearly interested in each other. And I think producers were interested in maybe making Andrew and Teddy this Bachelor sweetheart couple. And I think that that messed with Teddy. I think she went into this thinking that she was going to connect with Andrew and trying really hard to make it work. But in her core, just wasn't feeling it, knows he's a good guy, wants to want it, but just doesn't and could only last 48 hours kind of trying to explore it. And then was like, I can't do this and I don't want to hurt him. She, I think, took the high road. It felt like she was maybe leading him on, trying to give herself a chance. But she knew when you know, you know, sometimes maybe she should have given it longer. Maybe she should have gone out with Rodney. I think Teddy and Rodney could have been fun, but I think Teddy was really worried about being dragged into some sort of love triangle, what it was going to look like, how she was going to feel, having producers kind of seemingly want her with Andrew and Bachelor Nation water with Andrew. Is this going to vilify her? Is she just miserable on this beach with all the crabs? Which I think Jill said at one point that she thought the crabs were going to be cute. That's wild. Um, She openly is saying she was not all over him. She felt like she wants to be in a relationship where she feels super comfortable. She likes him, but doesn't think that they're in the same place as other couples. Seemingly Brandon and Serene, which all I have to say about them is I ship, I ship, I ship. Still think maybe that was not not premeditated, but like clearly they planned, they beelined for each other, Brandon and Serene. I'm into it, but feels like maybe there's something we don't know about that. Uh, I said on the Us Weekly Bachelor YouTube show that what is the difference between pre-planning to date and then exploring the connection on the beach versus actually dating and then going on the beach? I think it's a fine line. I definitely think it's a little more ridiculous, obviously, to be a Brandon and Piper and have gone on full-on dates and then meet on the show versus saving to meet on the show. But I think there's something to be said for Brandon and Serena. So we're like, we're going to meet no matter what. We We like each other for whatever reason. Let's do it on the beach. And that's fine. But just saying, I'm just saying. Back to Teddy and Andrew. Um, Rodney came down the beach looking for Teddy, Serene, or Eliza. Eliza's not there yet. Serena's obviously with Brandon. 
clearly wants to ask out Teddy, but Teddy is very emotional. She says she wants to get to know Rodney, but she's so concerned about Andrew. She pulls him aside and kind of tells him, I really wanted to come. I came because I wanted to meet you. And Andrew said, I want it just as bad as you. I figured it'd make me better. I don't want to force anything. Again, I just feel like there was way too much expectations on this one. She says she wants to get married. She wants to have kids, but she just wants to go home and move past this. She has this kind of breakdown to producers a little bit about how she feels bad. She just wants to go. She doesn't want to say goodbye. I thought it was interesting that they even included that in the Teddy story because it almost incriminates the Bachelor producers and validates the theory of maybe there was too much pressure or pre-planned of this Teddy Andrew situation. Because then she posted this Instagram caption, something I'm proud of learning. One, leaving environments that are cruel to me and people around me. Two, sticking to my boundaries no matter how many times people in authority try to cross them. Excited for this next chapter and what the rest of the year will bring. I mean, people in authority that seemingly means bachelor producers and obviously environments that are cruel to her, people around her pretty much seems to be paradise. She hasn't promoted the show once. Her only acknowledgement, which isn't even an acknowledgement, it's a cryptic Instagram post that's actually not so cryptic when you kind of think about it, about the show. So justice for Teddy, question mark. Maybe she should have just never gone to paradise to begin with. Um, all's well that ends well. I don't think any damage was done, maybe just emotionally clearly, but as far as like her future, whether it's on this show or another show or dating, I don't think she looked bad. I think she came off super genuine. I think she is super genuine. I think Andrew's super genuine. I think Rodney's great. Um, I would have actually loved to watch that love triangle play out. I think it would have been interesting, but I also got, you got to give it to Teddy for removing herself from a situation and kind of getting ahead of it. Like what could have aired and what could have, you know, been misconstrued or however this all went down, but I don't know. Michael A and Sierra, sweet to see him feel comfortable opening up about his wife. Um, But if she calls him zaddy one more time, I might turn my television off. She doesn't have a pinky, which I think was another great moment of this is why paradise is good. You hear these little stories. You think scallop fingers, you think, you know, Claire talking to a raccoon, kooky little moments in brief, like, you know, jokes about, or not even jokes, but how she fell off a swing set and gets 10% off her manicures because she's missing a pinky. Like those are nuggets that Twitter can, can come on to. That's something you can talk about with your friends and be like, wow, that was crazy. And rooted in some sort of reality. Not that Claire talking to a raccoon was reality, but like 30 seconds of ridiculousness, it works. 35 minutes of ridiculousness doesn't work, especially when it's revolving on people we don't really know because this cast has been a little confusing on who's getting screen time. Justin and Genevieve. Genevieve, I feel bad because she's really getting ripped apart on the internet. Um, And I kind of understand it. Obviously, she's coming off a little unhinged. And I think Justin did do everything right. He pulled her before his date with Victoria F to tell her that he wanted to go and that he'll be honest with her. He pulled her after her date with his date with Victoria and admitted he didn't have all the answers. It's been 48 hours. They all just met. I think Justin did everything he could possibly do right in this situation. You're never going to win, which isn't fair because the point of the show is to date other people, but you, it, it feels like there's different rules for different people. I say that all the time. Why are sometimes we mad at them? Other times we applaud them. Doesn't really make sense. But I think overall, Justin did do everything right. He, you know, the whole birthday cake, I thought was a little strange. Like that was him. But I think that was also him saying, okay, I'll go back. Because his date with Victoria Fuller, I thought it went really well. When I was watching it on Monday night, I was like, oh, Justin and Victoria Fuller are going to be a thing. 
I think they're having fun. I don't know if they're going to be a forever thing, but I think they're going to date on the beach for a bit. But then when they got back, it was pretty clear that Justin wanted to make things right with Genevieve. That's why I got her the birthday cake. He didn't want to say it's only you. I'm putting all my eggs in your basket, but like, I'm not ruling this out. I'm not ready to be like only you, Victoria. Like, I think he wanted to keep the options open for maybe Sally or someone else came down on the beach, but see Genevieve. And I think that's fair because he did it in an honest way. I think that's all you could ask on this show because it's not fair to like have to couple up on day one. It really isn't. Not everyone is going to be Brandon and Serene or whoever, if, assuming that works out. Um, but now looking back, I think maybe they friend zoned each other. him and Victoria F because she clearly has had the hots for Johnny because for the audience, that felt like that happened in 10 seconds, but there was clearly she had an, they had an attraction to each other. They, they were making eyes at each other for the five seconds Victoria was on the beach before she went on that marathon date with Justin. Do you guys realize they were gone for so long? They left when it was light out. And when Justin finally came back, he had to tell them the, the boys were like, oh, it's Genevieve's birthday. Like, just so you know. And he was like, no, it's tomorrow. And they're like, it's past midnight. He was on that date with Victoria for probably like 12 hours or they just like kept them hostage while things imploded and and Genevieve got like drunker and more emotional. That's probably what happened. Because again, I, she came off nutty, but I'm sure she'd been drinking. Those days are long. They'd been there for 48 hours, but I, she kind of has tweeted and implied that it felt like it was weeks. She's in her head about it. She wants to be chosen. I also think she wanted a rose. She didn't want to get sent home on the first rose ceremony. She didn't want to get sent home on her birthday. I think that played a huge part of it. I don't know how much it was about Justin, which plays into when, you know, Aaron arrived. Aaron and James, I thought their arrival was fun. It was campy. It was cute. I think they're a funny duo, but it did bother me a little bit that they didn't even pretend to show James like talking to Shanae to ask her out. It was so clearly premeditated. We're going to send in these, this bromance, this duo, dynamic duo to ask out these rival two-on-ones, Shanae and Genevieve from Clayton season. I, and I get it. It probably, what's the difference? Like it was going to happen anyway, but to me, I don't like to suspend my disbelief that much. I would rather have seen James talk to a few people and had a real reason to ask Shanae versus her being shocked by it. It just came off as so disingenuous to me. And then watching Shanae kind of question what she has with Logan for James, not saying that she wasn't feeling those feelings. You know, she was saying that she felt more comfortable with him I'm not saying that's not true, but it's like we, from our perspective, James asked you out because Aaron had to ask out Genevieve because of these accusations that they slept together that Shanae made. And so that meant James had to ask out Shanae to kind of set this up. And instead of this potential confrontation or discussion between the four of them of why Shanae said that, which kind of felt like it was missing, not saying we need to see Janae and uh, Shanae and Genevieve. I think I just gave him a couple of names. Shanae and Genevieve rehash this again because I don't think we'd get anywhere. But interesting to kind of show those flashbacks. And if Shanae be the one to make these accusations that both Genevieve and Aaron have denied of sleeping together or really even interacting that much besides casual run into each other before the show and then have them go on a date. And instead, we see them like eat tacos or nachos with their hands tied behind their back and do a really weird dance off in the pool, which wasn't Aaron's best moment and speaking of that ear tattoo you guys it's all i could focus when he was kissing genevieve what is his ear tattoo what does it mean it was almost like a like a compass but i don't it wasn't your north you never eat soggy waffle waffles your north south east and west confused aaron i know i talked to you last week but if you're listening please let me know what the hell is behind your ear genevieve also feels more comfortable with aaron she said i don't want to compare it but even the first night with justin i feel like he wasn't into me like that i know aaron's into me like he's showing me Aaron, I think, you know, he's been on this beach before, wasting no time. I don't think either of these connections are real. And I think it is a bad look for Genevieve, kind of hypocritical to come down so hard on Justin than to pretty much do the same thing. Goes to show if someone's asking you to keep your options open, I think you just say I'm disappointed, but I respect it because I don't know what's going to happen to me. And then you move forward. And then in a couple of days, maybe they would have come back to each other and it wouldn't have been this big drama and dramatic thing. Um, a lot can happen. 
Speaking of Shanae and Logan, I also just wanted to throw out, I think it's interesting that he is said that he really wants to get to know her. He kind of said he was waiting a long time to get to know her. It's weird to present Logan as this like guy who was like a super fan of Clay in the season that wanted to meet Shanae because in what world did you watch that? And you were like, gotta spend some time with Shanae. Gotta do it. Granted, you can recognize this could be a villain edit. I want to know what's beneath the surface, but Shanae was pretty bad on that show. I don't know how that would work. And also Logan's season hasn't aired yet. So even though he did kind of get a mini Gabby Rachel villain edit-ish kind of thing, he's almost like relating to her in that way. So I guess he left that season feeling like that because they're kind of setting them up as almost like two misunderstood people finding each other, even though now she's more into James, allegedly. I think she's going to go back to Logan. I think this James thing is just, uh, she was just having fun and maybe they, you know, were drinking and dancing and he's a good kisser. I think she's going to end up back pursuing Logan. We briefly saw Haley interested in Logan before she got sent home. Poor girl. She was one of the ones who tweeted, like, didn't get a rose on either season, I believe. But it feels like the show is definitely giving Shania a moment. I think that, you know, the fact that she got a date card after she already had, like, made out with Logan and they had kind of established something and then she got to go on the date with Aaron, um, with Aaron and James. She's kind of, like, definitely getting a version of redemption, um, which they usually do promise a villain type a lot of the time. Jacob and Lace, not really totally worth talking about, but Jacob was kind of the dark horse ahead of the rose ceremony because Kira, Haley, and Lace were all kind of trying to get his rose. Kira dressed up in the boom boom room as, you know, Jane from Tarzan, which was a lot. Um, Jacob ends up picking Lace, which I thought was interesting. He said at the rose ceremony, you are as stunning as you are iconic. Then the next episode, or later that episode, um, he opens up to Lace about going to Hong Kong, aka a strip club in Tijuana for his 22nd birthday. And I think that pretty much ended that. I think Lace clearly wants to keep her options open. I think Jacob wants to run around naked on the beach. And I don't think either of them are going to have much of a spark going forward, but we will see. Johnny and Victoria Fuller definitely are going to, I think, stay a thing. Again, it happened really quickly for us, but either the sparks were really flying or something, but um, the Hunter of it all was kind of interesting. Johnny had been spending time with Hunter. Victoria F. knew that Justin seemingly was going to try to go back with Genevieve or give him his rose, so she made a play. Johnny joked about her name again. Are you Caroline? Who are you? Clearly, Victoria Fuller liked that. She seems like someone who would like someone who might be a little hard to get. She says, hold my hand and prove it. They're very flirty with each other. Super like sexual tension between them. All of a sudden they're kissing. Hunter sees it. She knows her fate is sealed. Hunter, Haley, and Kira are all go home at the rose ceremony. Can't say I'm shocked by that decision. All three people who, if you had showed me their photos before this aired, I would have not known their names. Romeo just can't make any right move. Um, the one thing about him, I think that was kind of quote interesting, if you want to call it that, to note was the Britney of it all. He tried to make a play at Britney, who has allegedly been spending time with Casey this whole time. But the only thing we've seen of Casey, the, the self-proclaimed geriatric 37-year-old millennial, is that he spent some time with Kira. She played with his nipples, but then he decided that she was, quote, an effing mad woman. Her love language is sex. His is tacos. They're not going to make it work. Apparently has a connection with Britney, which is lovely. Maybe we'll see more of that. She was happily to accept his rose. When Romeo made a play at her, she clearly said, I'm friendly with Jill. F off. I'd rather get hit by a bus than accept your rose, which tough to hear you guys. I kind of feel like maybe Romeo should have given Jill the rose, but she did and then left. You try to get that hero edit. You're, you're, you're Jordan Kimball. You give the rose as a friend for their redemption, but then you remove yourself from the equation. You don't try to hit on Jill again the next day and act surprised when she says that ship has sailed it's he's just not has not made one right decision on the show this whole time i still think there's a lot more to that story i don't know i don't know if i care to know but romeo's a mess 
Um, and she obviously accepts his rose and says nothing in paradise is guaranteed. Clearly does it to stay. Don't blame her. I wouldn't want to get home the first rose ceremony because Romeo, I don't know if he played her or what, but had interest in like every girl and also just like changed his mind every 10 seconds. Ashley and Jared showed up. Not sure what the point is of that. I love Ashley and Jared. I really do. Um, but this idea that they're like the ideal bachelor paradise relationship when we know that they barely even dated on the beach and they were miserable. And why are we pretending bachelor in paradise season three didn't happen? Like they didn't leave the beach together. Am I remembering this wrong? They're like, they know what it's like to leave the beach together and what's going to happen. Like they didn't leave the beach together. That's just a fact. Ashley had to go on bachelor winter games years later and date Kevin for Jared to even realize he liked her. And their story is iconic, iconic, solidified in bachelor history. This, the girl who didn't give up, the girl who cried tears and got the man, the man who took too long to realize the friends to lovers, whatever. Iconic on so many reasons. They have a kid. It's cute. Don't need it on season eight of the show and don't need to rewrite history and romanticize it because it was a mess. Um, their job descriptor is bachelor success story with an asterisk it should have a little bit. Um, they showed some flashbacks, kind of ironic times to air Nick Vile in the background saying you'll never be with Jared um, that night his advice book came out. But, you know, if I would have gone with that, too. I would not have said in any way, shape or form that Jared and Ashley would have ended up together. Um, but they did. And they're cute. But host a date or something sitting on the day bed and just getting the gossip. And then next week, we're going to see them in the boom boom room. No, no, no. We don't need that. We just don't. We just don't. There's there's so much and also nothing that's happened on this show. And that's one thing I just know I don't need. That was my Bachelor in Paradise rant recap. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I know it was a little all over the place, but so is this show. You know what I mean? And without further ado, here's my interview with Jill. All right, Jill, we got a lot to get through in a few minutes, but we have to start with just watching back these first three episodes. How has it been for you? Oh God, it's been so rough. I don't think I've been able to catch a break. Well, specifically with the Romeo of it all, is there anything you would do differently? Um, oh God, that's so hard. It's because I always try to like, to live with no regrets. I'm like, you know, whatever. I, lo- I learned a lot from that situation. And so like, I honestly don't think I would have done anything differently. I think he kind of showed his hand and was able to show me um, that he wasn't ready for this relationship. And so I just kind of moved on from that. And I think that's, that's valuable in and of itself. A hundred percent. What about your fight with Kira? Do you think that, what was that like watching? And is there anything you maybe would have said differently? Or do you feel like you guys just misunderstood each other? Like, tell me, talk me about, tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, so it was, it was a shock. Like I, she came over and she was like, let's like, we need to talk. And I was like, yeah, like we, we do need to talk. Like what's going on. But I was expecting to honestly like go over to a day bed and just like have an honest conversation. But it was just like, I feel like it was just, you know, insults being thrown at me and I was like oh my god what's going on um so I was really taken aback by it um and definitely in the moment I was super emotional I think a lot of people were like Jill why are you crying like like you won but it was just I'm so non-confrontational and so just to have that happen on the first night was was really jarring to me um I, I mean I wish that we could have sat down and had like an honest conversation but unfortunately that's the way it went down and I was just like okay I think we just have to keep our distance from each other because um, we're not getting anywhere healthy. Have you spoken to her since you guys at home or? No, we haven't spoken at all. Yeah. Um, can you clear up anything about whether you and Romeo, do you know each other? What was happening beforehand? Cause I yeah. feel like between the three of you, I'm very confused on who knew who and who kissed who in the club. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I was actually with Kira when we met Romeo. So Kira and I were really good friends after the show and we were in New York and we met up with Romeo. Um, and then it was pretty clear that there was like some flirtation going on between Romeo and I, um, at first I was like, no, no, no. Like it's, it's just nothing. Like I I'm like, eh, I'm not really into him, like whatever. 
And then we like developed a friendship and it was definitely more of like a flirty friendship. And it was, it was obvious that there were feelings on both sides, but we had never crossed the line of like, we never went on any dates. We never kissed any, we never kissed each other. Um, and so I was like purposefully just like keeping that really separate. Cause like, it's like super messy. Um, but we were definitely good friends. Um, and I was good friends with Kira at the time too. So the three of us were friends. Um, and then I found out that Romeo and Kira had kissed in the club. Romeo told me, um, but Kira hadn't told me. And I was really hurt by that because I was really close with them. Um, so yeah. after that, I just kind of like, we actually squashed the beef. Like, we were like, okay, like I mean, like Kira had apologized to me and was like, I know the trust is broken, but um, you know, like I, you have nothing, been nothing but a good friend to me. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's just going to take some time to like heal from this. Like, we'll be fine. Um, and then I kind of separated myself from both of those situations. So I hadn't talked to them since like February or March. Um, and then when I got down to the beach, I thought it was all going to be okay. I wasn't really expecting to see Romeo there. Um, and so that kind of escalated things for sure. And you maybe I, I weren't expecting. expecting to explore nope. or have him pursue you or have kind of you two in this like love triangle that happened already and then air out on the beach again. Definitely not. I wasn't expecting to, I was, if I saw him, I was like, we definitely need to have a conversation because we hadn't talked in so long, but I didn't know that he, when I saw him coming in being like, I want to pursue Jill, that really surprised me. I saw this online. I don't know if it's true. Did they go to high school together? They went to Harvard. They went to Harvard together. Oh, okay. At the same time. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think they knew each other then. Right, people are acting, some people like came for me that I didn't know that. And I was like, how would I know who went to Harvard when? I know, it's all, yeah, it's all so convoluted. It's all very, um, yeah. yeah, very confusing. Um, you're friends with Teddy. Obviously we saw her kind of have this emotional exit from the beach and how, you know, she wanted to make it work with Andrew, but she wasn't feeling it and decided to go home. What were you um, watching that back? What was that like for you? Do you think she made the right decision? <sighs> I mean, I think she made the right decision for her um, in the moment. I mean, it was, it's, a, it's a really tough environment um, having to explore your feelings um, with people that you care about and also doing it on TV, super hard. Um, so I think that she just knew what was best for her in that situation. Um, and that was to leave. And I support her in everything she does. I support her decision. She's a very dear friend of mine. Um, I wish that I could have like said goodbye to her. Cause I remember like in our little conversation, I was like, well, before you do anything, like come see me first. And I understand why she didn't want to say goodbye to us because we, I would have tried to convince her to stay. And I knew that wasn't going to be good for her. So I understand, but it was, it was a shock for sure. I, I had no idea that she left. I feel like the internet and I loved that you were like, all oh, my friends are gone. And then you named like your two friends. Two and everyone people. was like, no, literally saying that's me. <laughs> I know. Obviously I'm friends with like much more, like many more people, but they were, they were sleeping in that we had a triple bunk and it was Hunter. It was me, Hunter and Teddy. And we were just like have little kikis at night. And oh, it was just so sad to be lonely in that bunk. Oh. Um, Sally, big question, a lot going yeah. on there. Um, don't even know what, where to go. But one thing that's kind of come up is this potential stagecoach situation. Justin yeah. seemingly has a, sto a story. Kira seemingly has a story. We haven't heard Sally's story yet. Where do you fall and what you think happened? Yeah, so um, I'm friends with a couple of the girls who went to stagecoach. And I know that I can stand, I can back Kira and I can... You know, I, Kara, I'm with you here, girl. You were at Stagecoach and Justin was there. And I heard very similar stories um, to what Kira was saying, but I don't want to discredit Justin's experience. I just want to say, like, I've heard that as well. It, I wasn't there, could be hearsay, but I yeah. do trust my friends. Well, we do see Sally in the promo, which I'm very excited about, because after yeah. all this, it's time to finally like meet her. Um, yeah. What can you tease to me about Sally finally getting to the beach? Oh, God. Um, it's, it's not what you expect 
at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not what you expect at all. And yeah, I, I, we're definitely going to be able to meet her, but we'll see if anything comes from that. Okay. Well, you're also friends with Rachel. I just remember you were live tweeting that wild situation. Um, how was Rachel doing? What did you think about watching that whole crazy Tino thing play out? It was so hard. I think any time you're watching your friends go through something really hard, and especially on like the world stage, it's really difficult. Um, I was just really feeling for her. I know she had a really rough go this season, um, but right now she's fine. She's in her like hot girl era, and I love that for her. Um, but yeah, I just think it's going to take everybody some time to heal. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think she's definitely she's she's well on her way. Do you think her and Avon could there be something there? Or do you think that was just like a fun little way to wrap things up? I don't know. I think there is interest on both sides, perhaps. Um, but I'm not sure if anything will come from it. Again, I think it's like so hot and so fresh that everything just needs to cool down to kind of see if they end up you know, exploring something. Okay. Well, what about the rest of your journey? We've seen some tears. We've seen the Romeo situation. What else are we going to expect from Jill's days in paradise? Yeah. Um, I, you're definitely going to see a, a quirky, weird couple come into the mix. Um, and I'm excited for people to kind of see me do the, the, the love thing, honestly. Yeah. I haven't been able to do much of the love thing. Um, so yeah, there's definitely going to be some, some sweet moments to come. And my last question, there's this upside down bikini trend happening in paradise. Oh, yeah. What can you tell me about that? Okay. So I I'm involved in it too. Like I see everybody, like all oh, these girls are wearing their bikinis upside down, but it's been a trend for a while. Okay. Like ever since the Kardashians did it, everyone was like, yeah, like. So did you guys talk about this or did you all plan to wear your bikinis this way? No, we just did it because we knew it was like a, we knew it was a trend and we, and honestly, some of the bikinis that were sent to me were meant to go like that, you know, like that's okay. just the style nowadays. Right. And it's just the style. I don't you guys know. Are I, don't on the as deep. I don't think it's as deep as people are like, oh my God, it's bothering me so much. But like, you know, it does a little something. Well, we'll ask in a couple of years when I always ask people years later, do you have any fashion regrets? Maybe you'll say no for that one. Maybe you'll say yes. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. We'll see when we get there. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jill. You've been so fun to watch already and I can't wait for more. Thanks so much. And now um, joined by the author of Don't Text Your Ex Happy Birthday and four-time Bachelor appearance maker, Nick Vile. Well, to kick us off, obviously your book is out, Don't Text Your Ex Happy Birthday, which I think is an iconic title. And I'm sure you've heard that a lot this week. Um, But why was the book the next step for you? Why was this the format you wanted to go with the direction with giving advice and how your career has kind of taken you into this relationship, relationship expertism. Uh, yeah, I'm very reluctant for that expert kind of phrase. Uh, I feel far more comfortable with kind of that, uh, uh, that friend you need, but maybe don't want, or that kind of older brother kind of sage advice from someone who just, again, I don't, I didn't write this book from like coming from a place of any type of expertise, but just someone who, you know, had his own bumps and, and along the way and, and has felt stuck and um, had struggled with, you know, ghosting and cheating, being cheated on and confused and asking myself questions. Why would she say this and then do that? And um, I, I understand that I come from a, a man's perspective with dating, but some of those fears and concerns with dating, I think are universal, regardless of your gender or sexual orientation, uh, every, you know, we all come from different struggles and, and, and it's not to compare, um, you know, anyone's struggles, but that's, that's the place I wrote it from. Um, and it was kind of a happy accident. I I wanted to just write like a a coffee table book. And and when I ring write, I mean, I wanted to just 
give my editor all these Q and A's I've accumulated with questions with Nick over the years in hopes that they would just make it pretty. Uh, I'm really grateful for my editor for encouraging me to write a book because I, I found it quite daunting and I truly, I thought I would do a lot of things right before, before I'd ever write a book. Um, it's uh, I didn't want to ever do a tell all. I, I didn't ever want to sit down with a ghostwriter and, you know, and tell my story and, and slap a picture on it and, 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 and claim I have a book. I really wanted to, um, if I was going to do it, I, I really wanted to try to, to do it, which is, is a terrifying thing considering that uh, I'm, I'm notorious for, for grammatical errors and spelling errors uh, and things like that. So um, yeah. You get through a it, lot of questions. So in your defense, when you're typing out as quick, those answers sometimes on those questions with Nick, you're just trying to get to them all. But yeah, there I'm are some infamous so typos far. you've made. Yeah, yeah. so I appreciate your uh, you understanding, Sarah. But um, yeah, I, I, I really wanted, uh, once I started doing it, I, you know, it was like maybe maybe this could be good. You know, you certainly, I think anytime you, you take up a project um, and, and you, it starts flowing, you, you know, you start fantasizing and dreaming about what could be, but you also try to keep very realistic goals. Um, and yeah, I, I really, after I ran, wrote the first very rough draft, I kind of started seeing the vision and kind of, I got more optimistic about what, what this book could be and um, yeah, I was really, really happy with how it turned out. I've been in really kind of just grateful for uh, the feedback I've gotten. Um, you know, it is a book that has definitely some tough love in there. Um, I, I, I try to obviously include a lot of empathy and, and understanding with like, again, like sharing my stories and the struggles I've had. So it's not coming from a place of like, why are you doing this? You're stupid, just more like, hey, this is hard. And we, we often, uh, get ourselves stuck and and we it's something we can all relate to but let's try to get ourselves unstuck in the hopes that anyone who read it might you know might might read it with a little bit of like irritation from me you know like I but also with a uh I'm coming from a good place and you know what I fair point Nick you know kind of thing and and I really just hope that this book uh anyone who reads it if you're stuck in any aspect of your relationship that there might be a nugget or two to make you feel a little bit more unstuck and just kind of like, you know, beat yourself, beat yourself up less. Right. I just think, uh, especially with dating or relationships, of any kind friendships, like we, we're really hard on ourselves. Um, we, we, I think we assign a ton of value to our, of our self-worth based off of our, our relationships that we have in our life. Uh, certainly romantic relationships, friendships, family relationships, and when those relationships are in turmoil, I think we can feel really down on ourselves because feeling lonely and uh, can really be a drag on our mental health. And so uh, my hopes is to just uh, have people feel a little bit more confident about their ability to, to manage those relationships because they, they really are, they're really hard to do. Like I say, it's like, it's all easy in theory. Like a lot of the, you know, these aren't, I'm, I'm not talking about calculus or anything, real simple concepts, but it's, it's the emotional part that really messes us up. Well, you kind of go in order of like a dating progression in the book. You start with like your picker and then the first date and situationships and all that stuff. Is there a chapter you're either most proud of or maybe advice that you feel the most confident or is like your most original tip that you think people would take away from reading? Like just a chapter that you think is like should be required reading maybe for anyone <laughs> trying to get out there. Yeah, I, um, I, 
I'm kind of proud of a lot of chapters, to be honest. Um, well, you should be, but you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the one I'm I I, I think the one I'm more op- most optimistic that might help the most people is the, the last chapter, chapter 10, getting over them, because I I'm someone who had a really hard time getting over some heartbreaks. And that can just be such a daunting uh thing because again, we we will find a lot of ways not to get over someone um, because we, 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 we love them or we, we miss what we had and it's hard to let go of things. And, but it's, it's not healthy to hold on to, to, to toxic things in a, in a relationship that no longer exists or, or someone doesn't want to be with you. Well, uh, hard to accept when you hold on to it, it just, it just really truly eats you up inside. So I'm very proud of that. And I think it really can, help a lot of people. I really am proud of the introduction just because it's like, how do I, um, how do I convince someone to keep reading this book? Right. Mm-hmm. How do I convince someone to uh, set an expectation of like, this is not a bachelor tell all, you know, yeah. and, and, and still, especially for, for bachelor nation or bachelor fans, keep them invested in reading in this book. Also like ad- address the fact that like, I'm a straight white male and many of the people reading this might be, you know, women. Um, and, and, and just trying to, um, just come from a place of like, this is my point of view. I hope you can trust me. And I hope that uh, you understand that I can relate to some of your experiences of frustration, certainly not all. Um, and it just kind of intro kind of outlines, you know, all the aspects of the book that I think kind of gives a good, like, this is what you're about to get into. And if mm-hmm. all you read that, I think there's some helpful takeaways. I think the chapter I was most nervous about and just kind of happy how it turned out was, was talking about, um, uh, hookup culture and how to go about that. You know, I'm talking about sex in that uh, in that chapter, and I and I have some kind of strong points of view of how we should approach sex in in a climate where we're hooking up with people we we quite honestly don't know a lot. Um, that can be a sensitive topic to talk about. And again, coming from a perspective of of, of a white male, I I wanted to make sure that uh, again it was coming with still those that tough love but that empathy and, and and no judgment right it's not about judging our decisions it's about understanding our decisions so that we can feel more empowered and i was really happy with how it turned out just because i i was when i sat down to write that chapter i i just kind of envisioned the potential like pitfalls of that chapter um and and i was happy with how it turned out i hope people feel the same because i do think that's a chapter that will create the most confusion for people um, because we have all these expectations of dating and sex. Uh, and then we have the current, you know, dating climate, which is hookup culture. And, you know, I'm a sports fan, so I'm going to use a sports analogy, but like, you know, football is changed. Right. Mm-hmm. And imagine being, you know, uh, a coach who like coached in the 1960s, fell asleep, woke up in 2020 and, and tried to coach the same way using the same playbook they probably might not be as effective. The game has drastically changed over time. And, and yet the game has changed for us. It's drastically changing yet. We are, our playbooks are the same and our playbooks are what we get from the sexes in the city, then the notebooks mm-hmm. and these expectations that the bachelor, is, the bachelor, <laughs> right. As long it doesn't matter how, how bad it gets. It doesn't matter how toxic it is. If you can end up together, then it makes everything okay. And that's just not the reality of it, right? And I think we have to change our perspective and our playbooks. And, and once we do that, we can still find these amazing relationships uh, that, that feel special and feel romantic, but they're special in a different way than we thought they should be when we started dating, when we, how we approach dating you know, back in the day, so to speak. 
I laughed because one of your tips for first dates was don't lie. And you literally wrote, you were like, I know this should be a no brainer, but it's so true. And I wonder if that's a question, common question you get when people are always asking about these situationships, is that where we put ourselves in that situation? Because we lie about being okay with hooking up or we lie about wanting the relationship and it starts there. Is that like a common thing you see a lot or do you have like a thread you keep seeing in these questions you get over and over again or are they different? Is it universal? Oh, it's very universal. I mean, like my, you know, I, I like my podcast asked Nick, you know, people ask me like, well, how do you do it? Like, what's your trick? And I'll say to them, all I'm really doing is I'm trying to listen to the lies that people are telling. And I don't mean necessarily lies like, you know, I have a million dollars and, and, you know, you have like 20 bucks in the bank account. I don't mean like an outward lie like that. Certainly that can happen. And people weirdly, when we get nervous, we'll say shit, that's not true. But I just mean the lies we tell ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. The, when we convince ourselves that we're okay with things that we're not really okay with. And that all, that all comes down from, wanting to be liked, not wanting to disappoint someone, uh, wanting to put our best foot forward, you know, the best intentions, right? We want to, we want to impress people. We want to, and it's like an interview. And so, but it's just really important to, you know, be comfortable with who you are. As I always say, like, if you truly are dating for the purposes of meeting a life partner, you know, that one person, you have to remind yourself, you're just looking for one. You have to remind yourself this isn't a popularity contest. There's no points for like having 15 people want to be your boyfriend or girlfriend. It can feel nice for your ego and you can pat yourself on the back. And if you're, and if you're a fuck boy, you can you know, tell all your friends how, how deep your roster is, but that doesn't get you anywhere as it relates to like you finding a relationship. And if you can't truly be yourself and just like say it, then the people who truly want to love you, because there's a lot of people who will love these quirks and these little things about you, they won't know who you are right? They won't, they won't get to see you. They won't let the love you for who you are. And so you're far better off just like deciding, you know, what's important to you, your values, your boundaries, what you really like, what you don't like. And even if you think they're tall or cute or funny and they like to travel, just be willing to take the risk and just, you know, tell them what you want. And I, and I think one thing more than anything that people often, you know, they're like, well, how do you do that? I can get so nervous. I don't want to do that, like it takes a lot of guts and a lot of confidence just to say what you want. And people are very attracted to that. You know, they might go, oh, what do you mean by that? And they might like, you might feel judged, but if you're just like, yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. The right, the right people will be very attracted to that. So it takes practice. Like it's something that's like, like anything else, you kind of have to just try it. Um, and then just kind of see the people's response. And, I, and and if you just get better and better at that, like you will be surprised how many people respond, even if they don't agree with you, they'll just be turned on by your kind of uh, your confidence in, in, in yourself and, and, and people will admire that. I feel like that also goes along with you mentioned in the book about how people put all this pressure on the how they met story, the meet cute, which is a tale as old as time, but specifically like you don't want to admit you met in the DMs. You don't want to admit you met on this app. But at the end of the day, like, why does it matter? And I thought that was an interesting thing to bring up because I think a lot of people do feel some weird sort of shame, but then everyone's doing the same thing. So why is that? Well, yeah, our egos, you know, we want to be special, right? We do. We all want to be special, you know? I, from from like little like one or two year olds, you know, everyone's just like, oh, you're the best, right? And uh, I've learned from my therapist that uh, you know, the year four is a pivotal year, you know, in terms of uh, any development of narcissistic traits. But uh, oh, really, by yeah. four, we're narcissists. <laughs> well, year four apparently is very pivotal in terms of of how our our 
how our adults in our lives love us uh, mm -hmm. as it relates to individuality and our ability to share. But that's a whole that's a conversation for a, a later time. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think we want to feel special. We want to we love telling the story, you know, at a dinner party and everyone loves to say, how did you meet again? Like we're, we're it's ingrained in our mind to have a special love story with all the rom-coms and, and, and movies we, we love. And then we romanticize those stories. Right. The notebook. I love like I talked about the book. I, I, I still love the book, mm -hmm. the movie. It's good. But when you really break it down, it's kind of like just two toxic people. You should pick are, James Marsden. You really should. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they're just like these, both of them are just, they treat everyone around them badly for their, for their, for the sake of themselves. But, you know, they repackage it as like this beautiful story because they fought through, you know, hardship and they've decided to call it special. And so, yeah, like I said in the book, your relationship doesn't care how you met because while it's good at a fun at a dinner party and it's fun to tell friends, that's not what is going to get you through like some tough conversations. It's not going to help you compromise or anything like that. It's not going to uh, do anything with your compatibility. In fact, what it often is, is an excuse not to work on problems because you're just, working, I don't know, well, we met in a really romantic way. Mm -hmm. So fate, fate will take care of it. Um, and I, like I said, I, I've, you know, someone who's been on The Bachelor and, and then someone who had a very kind of fortuitous way of meeting my first girlfriend, I used to obsessively, um, you know, lean on the way I met my girlfriends as a way to validate and convince myself this was a relationship I should fight for. Yeah. You mentioned in the book and now that you were engaged before all the Bachelor stuff and that your fiance cheated on you. Did Was that on the show? Did I block that out? Or is this new information that I could- no, I, I, I talked about it in my first one-on-one -on -one with Andy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is, feels new to me. And I also think it makes more sense a lot of times than what we, your story and what it's been portrayed. Like that, I feel like is a key thing that maybe Bachelor Nation forgot watching the yeah, rest you know, of it unfold. It, like, it was so long ago because yeah. like, it was like eight years ago or- or that I think, I don't know if people were all that interested in, um, in empathizing with me. I think people True. enjoyed not liking me that first season. I mean, that's just how The Bachelor works, you know? Um, I always remind people or even my peers who might be struggling with some criticism, like it's not personal, you know? It's uh, the, it's edited just like, they, they it's edited because we they want to elicit, they, they want to trigger you, you know? Mm -hmm. People are like, why don't you put on a trigger warning? Well, because <laughs> their goal is to trigger you. <laughs> uh, they want you to feel and, and interact with, with them, but it's also not personal. Like, as, as, again, back to a football analogy, I'm a giant Packer fan. Mm -hmm. And not only do I love rooting for the Packers, I also enjoy hating the Vikings, right. you know? And, it's, and, and, and so when people who love The Bachelor, they, they don't just love rooting for the people who they identify with, they enjoy hating on people they that also like the reminds them of someone they didn't like or mm -hmm. who wronged them. And it's, it's not about them. And so it's just something um, I certainly have tried to remember and, and, and remind my peers. So like, I don't take it personally. It, it is what it is, but yeah, maybe that's why people uh, might not remember as much. I did want to ask you and you can go in as depth or as not in depth, but if you could give advice to each version of Bachelor Nick, so season 10 Bachelor, season 10 Nick, season 11 Nick, Paradise Nick, and Bachelor yeah. Nick, are there different things you would tell that those four versions of themselves? Are there chapters of the book you'd say, read this one before you go? Or is it a universal message? Like, what would you tell those Nicks about dating yeah. and what's happening? Great question, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> uh, I'll say uh, 
season 10, Nick, Andy, Nick, I would, I would tell, I would tell him to relax, uh, and not sweat the small stuff. Um, because I, I very much real like, you know, the, it doesn't, you know, your relationship doesn't matter how you met. I, I got caught up in the romance of it all, the, the environment. And I took myself very seriously. And it was like, I came in as like this skeptic of like, I don't know if this, this is real. And, and then I got a first impression rose and I was like, Ooh, a first impression rose. And, and I got an early date and I, I felt a genuine connection. And then I was, and like, for me, it was like, for me to like be in this world, I had to like, I had to take it seriously, you know, and because otherwise I, I wanted to respect my decisions, but like, I think I went a little too hard to the paint, so to speak. And, you know, every rose mattered and, you know, every little thing where I could just, it's just like, Hey, just, just relax, Nick, uh, take a step back. You know, that hopeful or grateful chapter, you know, I think, uh, I was, you know, like, there was definitely a lot of chemistry or, you know, you know, that there's, there's one, the, the, the chemistry you like prioritize the boundaries you set over the chemistry you feel mm -hmm. uh, a ton of chemistry with, with Caitlin, obviously that's what brought me on the show. Um, but I don't, I didn't spend much time talking, you know, thinking about compatibility, uh, or, or what was important to me. I obviously it's the bachelor, right? So like, <laughs> there's no such things as boundaries for yourself and the bachelor. You're literally just trying to get, you know, you're, you're fighting with other people to get that person to like you. And so, um, I would have told myself to really prioritize compatibility and, and think about that. And then, you know, start asking, you know, people are often asking themselves why at the wrong time, you know, early in relationships, we don't ask why at all. Someone says they like us. You're like, yes, thank you. Of course you do. Of course you do. Like, I've, I'm great. How long? Why did it take you so long? To yeah. Everyone should like me. Yeah. You know, or I love you or I'm starting to, you know, feel these feelings for you. And we just accept that it fades value. And while I don't want to like everyone to like ruin a good moment, I do think it's important to check in and, and say, well, you know, why do you feel the way you do? And if someone truly has these genuine feelings, it should be pretty easy to articulate why they feel the way you do. Because, you know, like words like love bombing and things like that are, are, are have become commonplace. And these are, and, and they're real, they're real things that are, 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 are very toxic things to do and they can be very damaging to people, but love bombing and getting excited about someone only to like realize that maybe you didn't feel the same way are two very different things like intent matters. And, but people can get excited and we can get caught up in the moment and say, I don't, I've never felt like this before. And in the moment it's true. And then, uh, you know, and then a couple of days go by, you hook up and you get, things get awkward or someone says something that throws you off and your feelings change. Um, and, and then all of a sudden we're confused and we're like asking ourselves, well, why did they, they said to me, they've never felt like that before. And we'll hang on to that. Boy, I am someone who like hung on to like every little word, you know, someone said to me when it was like a validating word. And then, and then when people will end a relationship with us, well, they were asking why all the time. Well, why did you do that? Why did you say this? Why did you say that? And then all we're really doing is asking someone who's decided they don't want to be with us anymore to come up with new reasons why they, you know, don't want to yeah. be with us. And that's like, that's just why are you torturing yourself, you know? Um, and so it's just, I think I would have really focused on that uh, with, with, uh, on, uh, I would have given young Nick back on uh, Caitlin's season that advice. 
paradise i thrived i yeah. <laughs> paradise um i think i finally kind of um uh figured it out uh in terms of i don't know i'm sure i could come up with something but uh i uh i really enjoyed my time on paradise and, and the people around me um you know and maybe it's just more the you know the the you know when i talk about like uh fuck boys and players in the chapter you know not to consider myself i didn't i didn't feel like i was a fuck boy in paradise by any stretch of the imagination but, but I, like by know, nature everyone kind of is because of the yeah show. i kind of wrote in the book like being a fuck boy especially in this dating climate with hooko culture is more about the perception of your actions rather than you know and so if you're not communicating and being up front and i really wanted to be very communicative but uh again like you have to remember that you know, if you are dating someone who you might sense is slightly more into you than you're into them, and that can change very quickly, that they're going to be listening. They're going to be cherry picking your words too, right? They're not going to be asking why when you say, you know, and so you have to like challenge yourself to be over communicative because, you know, you're like, well, I, can, I told you this, you know, yeah. you're thinking, and you know, that person, you know, like when you say, well, I'm not, not sure if I'm looking for a relationship right now. That person, all they heard was right now, you know? And, yeah. and what you're thinking is like, well, I just, I, don't, I, I wanted to soften the blow, right. you know? And so you have two people hearing the same thing, interpreting in two very different ways. And so uh, I don't think you can ever over communicate, especially if you're someone who feels like um, you're a little less committed to this, you know, relationship than the person you're, you're dating. And, and it is, your responsibility, like everyone's an adult, right? They can choose to say, hey, I'm okay with just hooking up. And not that you shouldn't like trust their, their ability to decide for themselves, but you should really make sure that you're communicating because we do have a way of cherry picking people's words and deciding what we really want. Um, and then, you know, Bachelor Nick, I don't know. Um, I think I, yeah, I, I think Bachelor Nick kind of, I was, I was just trying to survive that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Just try uh, to make it to Dancing with the Stars. Then it'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, with the relationship that I have with Vanessa, thinking about, I think, again, um, you know, you know that, that chapter I talk about healthy love and toxic loving. And this is nothing as far, you know, the, uh, starting a relationship in Bachelor Nation is, is near impossible. And, and for all the relationships, the, the Jaden Tanners and the Ashley and Jareds and the Sean and Catherines, you know, I, I give so much credit to those people because truly, uh, they truly had to fight for that relationship and the odds were stacked against them and and they had no advantages um, and yet they still made it work. And so um, I give a lot of credit to those, those relationships because it is such a challenge and there's so many, you know, toxic things that come in the relationship um, and I think, uh, a lot of people in, in batch relationships, uh, fight tooth and nail to make a relationship work, even when it's like, you know, it's, it's doomed from the beginning and, um, you know, like the Nates of Michelle's of the world and, and me and Vanessa, like you can have two good people really make life on one another because, you know, they, they want to make it work, but they, mm -hmm. they can't communicate, or maybe there's a lack of compatibility and it, it can be really damaging to one's mental health, trying to fight for something that just doesn't really have a, a chance and, and yeah. knowing when to let go of something, even though you have the greatest of hopes for it, 
um, I think is a really important thing that uh, I wish I knew much earlier in life because I used to pride myself for, you know, fighting for love and, and not having regrets. And to some point, I, I'm grateful I have no regrets, but I really made, uh, there were some chapters in my life where I, I really made life on myself and my mental health much worse than it needed to be because of my own stubbornness and my lack of acceptance and willingness to just like be honest about the situation I was in. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would have focused on that. Well, you kind of touched on this, but I was reading your Esquire profile this morning and you said, which I thought this was just an important quote to pull for someone I obviously could talk about the bachelor all the time. So do you, but you said real love isn't possible in that environment, but real feelings are sometimes they turn into love and sometimes they just get confused with love because of the general excitement level. But in the moment it's real. And I feel like that was one of the better takes I've ever heard of trying to explain that the show is quote unquote real, but it's also not at the same time. And the feelings love. And I just, I liked that that line. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And again, that's not to take anything away from like the show, but, and, and that's just my interpretation of love. Um, at, you know, as I see it, having experienced, you know, various feelings, um, uh, throughout my life, but yes, um, you know, to me, love is about that trust and that understanding where you are and not constantly worrying about how someone feels about you. And the whole show, the whole premise of the bachelor is to like be kept in the dark yeah. uh, about how someone feels about you to the very end. And that, that is not building trust and, and understanding. And there's so little, we get to know about the people we end up in relationships, but truly I, I felt real feelings, you know, uh, I'll never say that, uh, I don't, I would never take back what I said in any of those times because I, I'm, in the moment I meant it and I felt it. I just realized after getting out of that world that it wasn't necessarily the type of love that I feel like I have in my relationship now or the type of love I desired in relationships when I was dating outside of The Bachelor. Uh, but again, the feelings are, are real. And, and, um, and like I said, for, you know, the Sean and Catherine's and the Ashley and Jared's, I mean, Ashley and Jared is different because they got the new Ashley and Jared, they're amazing, but there's an asterisk. We saw a lot of crazy things go down between the yeah, two. Right? They're rewriting but, history a little bit on those paradise episodes this week of the ideal situation. Granted, I know they wouldn't change it for the world and they're amazing and they have a kid and all that ends well, but like, we can't act like they left that show in a good place either time. <laughs> exactly. So, right. And so, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, they're very real feelings and it, ha it certainly has turned into love and healthy love, but on that show, it is the greatest leap of faith of all time based off of feelings that feel very exciting. Um, so, you know, I often say that two things can be true at the same time. You know, people have such a hard time believing it's real. Um, and I can't speak for everyone on that show and how they go about it, but, but the people who are getting down on one knee and saying, I love you at the end, I truly believe that the vast majority of those people are very genuine with what they're saying. They truly believe the words coming out of their mouth. They just might reflect back and, and see how much they've come along in this relationship, especially if it works out, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, when Ashley was telling Jared, I love him on the beaches of paradise, I, I'm quite certain that means very different now uh, when Ashley and Jared, you know, say I love you to each other because there's a security and trust and this like there's truly my best friend. They're truly each other's ride or dies. They they know matter. They know no matter what that this person will have my back. And they didn't, ha didn't have any of that on the beaches of paradise. It was right. just like any moment, that it, you know, that love was based off of fear of losing something and, and hoping. And so uh, those are two very different things. And, and in my opinion, one's love and, and one is the hope or desire for love. 
and the idea of it. And that's not quite the same. You talk about, and I think a lot of people talk about this when it comes to dating and like life in general, the timeline, the pressure, the idea of you have to get married at this point, or you want to get married at this point. Um, was it easy for you to kind of get to the point of like, where to even write about that or just to be like, this doesn't matter. I mean, I always joke because I interview the bachelor people as you do too afterwards. And the first question I have to ask is when are you getting married? And like, I know that the answer is probably not real and it is what it is, but like, you got to ask it. It's this, it's like, I contribute to it in my own way. Just can you talk to me a little bit about that and how you kind of came that chapter and coming to that, that whole thing and whether will that ever go away? Cause I don't think it will as much as you people not, you can personally get over it, but as a society, I don't know if that's ever going to change. Yeah, you're probably right. Right. And so that's why it's really important for us as individuals to just remind ourselves of that. We're not patient people. Uh, uh, society puts a lot of pressure on us. You know, even though it's not 1950s anymore, we're still having our parents and our friends being like, why are you single? Like what's wrong yeah. with you? Stuff like that. Um, yeah, that chapter was, I, I really wrote that chapter to, to, to younger me for mm-hmm. mu- very much so because I, I put so much pressure on myself as a, as a young man to, to, you know, find to that, that dream I set for myself when I was a teenager, honestly, or in my early twenties, um, I just, I had this arbitrary timeline and apparently it was like 25. I realized because when I turned 25 and had none of that, I like had a meltdown. Um, and, and it's just like silly when you get older and reflect back and be like, Oh my God, thank God. I did not, you know, yeah. <laughs> me 25 year old me, like having a family and for <laughs> My God, what a like, how different life could be. Yeah. And again, everyone's different. There's a plenty of people who have amazing relationships. Um, but for me, I, 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 as much as like, I remember younger me and I've always been relatively mature for my age. And I, and I've always had people tell me I was mature for my age, but it turns out as I got older, I realized how immature emotionally I was. Right. Yeah. Um, and you just, you never realize that in the moment. And so it just can be really scary, especially when, you know, if we meet someone and we have great expectations and we've talked about our future with this person and then six to 12 or 18 months in, you start realizing I'm, we might not be as compatible as I hoped or we talked about. And then you think about all this time you spent with this person and it feels like a waste. It's an investment of your time. And our, our time is truly the most valuable commodity we'll ever have. Uh, because the only thing certainty in life yeah. is that eventually we're going to die. It ends. <laughs> and so, and so it's, it's, it makes sense. We put all that pressure on ourselves and, and why society puts pressure on people to, to figure it out soon as possible. But, um, you know, you've got to be able to invest in yourself and, and not to sound corny or, or anything like that, but you know, there's a reason why on the bachelor, or on any you know good movie or rom-com, there's always that part uh, of that movie where it looks like everything's going to shit, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason why they they include that or that's part of the story is because it makes the ending- The payout. It, it, it pay off, right? And so we just have to remember that when we're, when we're in the shit and when we're going through it and we are, and, and things feel really dark and I'm not, you know, and it feels like, trust me, this is part of your story. You know, your life is you reflect back on and it will make things that work out in the future feel that much brighter and more special. And, and instead of looking back on, on moments of sadness and darkness, you're, you're going to strangely be glad you had it. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to look back and go, thank, like, 
laugh at it. You're you're gonna think you're gonna think back on these this horrible moments of you crying on your couch to your parents and this like mm-hmm. bawling and how it's it's all over. And I, like I'm saying this here and now literally thinking of a specific moment of yeah. me doing this. And I, and I say this because it's mine fun. are playing in my head too. I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> and it's like fun for me to talk about now because it's like, I laugh at myself a little bit. It's a little embarrassing, but when you realize where you come from, it makes it, you really appreciate that. So it's just, you know, I write a lot about that in the book just because if you're going through it, it's just, it, sometimes it's just, you can feel very hopeless. And I'm just trying to like instill a little bit of hope into people, especially if they're going through that type of stuff or if they're just coming out of it to realize there's a lot of things to look forward to. There's a lot of things to be optimistic about. We're just very impatient people. We hate waiting for our happiness to show up at our door. And, and um, but you know, we have to try to do that because when we can get out of our heads and be confident with whatever position we are in our life, whether it's single or in a relationship or whatever. We have to remember that being single and being alone are two very different things. Um, you know, um, and you can feel very lonely in a relationship too. You know, um, I've felt lonely in relationships. There's a lot of people who feel lonely in relationships. So just remember that. Um, and, and when you realize that you really start taking advantage of wherever you are in your life, right? You, if you're single, you realize I have all this freedom to invest in myself and try these things and take risks. And if I, if I didn't become comfortable with being single, I wouldn't be talking with you today. I wouldn't be on the bachelor. I wouldn't have my own show. I wouldn't have moved to LA. I would have been so obsessed with trying to find someone because I thought having someone was the only way that I would be worth anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we, we often, we, most of us feel that way. We have a society that tells us we have to settle down and, and, and be in a family and, 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 and that's great to have if you want it. And that's certainly something that's a priority for me, but it, it can come at various points of people's lives. And you've been in a relationship now for a couple of years with Natalie, obviously. What is the biggest thing that she's taught you about love? And what does that future look like for you? That question I have to ask that you don't want to answer. Or not don't want to, but it's just like. Well, she truly, she honestly has taught me a lot. More than anything, she's taught me the importance. And not only taught me, but shown me how to be present. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's taught me just, um, you know, it's like. I can be very introverted and I've been accused at times in my life of being aloof. Um, and that aloofness combined with being six, two has turned into like, you know, some people thinking, Oh, like I might be dismissive or rude and I get defensive. Cause I'm thinking, well, no, I, I no, I, I just, I'm sorry. I was just thinking about something else. I'm not right. Yeah. And while like, I want people to understand that it's not deliberate it is upon me. It's like, it's my job to realize it's my responsibility. If I don't want to make people feel that way to work on my weaknesses. Right. And she has shown me just how important it is to take the time in any moment, whether you're getting a coffee at a barista or you're checking out of the grocery store, you know, those little moments of, of, of seeing people uh, and making them feel validated is, uh, is make, it's really special uh, on a day-to-day basis and especially in a relationship. And she, she's so very good at that. Um, and I'm constantly taking notes uh, about that. She's also someone who really knows how to take breaks. And when it comes to, um, you know, disagreements in a relationship as someone who, uh, you know, as a guy, I think we come, we, we, not, not everyone's the same, but 
men can be more guilty of of trying to fix things uh, without like just letting emotions get out. And and Natalie knows how to you know uh, get us to take timeouts if we're not on the same page early on, and and that helps us from not like letting a a minor disagreement escalate into a bigger fight. Um, that's something I had a lot in my relationships, and I played just as much of a role as my my exes did as well. And so she really helps me with that. Um, and as far as that, that next question, uh, TBD, um, but I, I, uh, I, I like where things are headed. Okay. Good answer. Um, have, you don't have to name names, but have any of your celebrity friends, you know, you're Justin Long, you're Rachel Bilson, you're January Jones, all these people you've had on your podcast. Do they go to you for advice? Would we be surprised to see some of the, the people who have asked you for advice? Uh, You'd probably be surprised. Uh, I've had a couple of celebrity friends uh, call me up and spend an hour or two on the phone. Um, none of the people you mentioned, okay. but um, and just for you know, listen, that's that's obviously a very personal thing that I I, w- I wouldn't want. To, I didn't expect you to pull up your DMs with any of these people uh, and read them to me, flows, but it just kind but, of came to me. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful to, to not that whoever trusts me, um, whether it's a stranger on the street, someone calls on the show, a friend, whether they are in the public eye or not. Um, I do very much value their trust. Um, it, it, it's expressing your vulnerability to anyone takes a ton of confidence and, and it, it can be very scary. And so, uh, it means a great deal to me that people, uh, can trust me with their stories and their struggles and their problems. And, and while I often will communicate some tough love, I, I always want to make sure it comes from a place of empathy and not judgment. Right. Yeah. Um, none of the things I talk about in my book come from a place of why did you do this? You're stupid. It's more, um, stop doing this. I know it's really hard, but like you, you gotta, you're doing that, do this for yourself. I get it's hard never beat yourself up over it, but every day keep trying to, to get it right this time, you know? Um, yeah. And that's the place I, I come from. And I have one more question for you, but I also just want to throw out there because it goes along with this, another quote I wrote down from the book, which feels like a basic concept, but I liked seeing in writing was something that I've learned as someone who gives advice to people for a living is that if someone isn't interested in getting advice, if they're not actually interested in hearing it, then they're not going to receive it well, which is just so true. Like I, you might probably have to navigate that a lot of people may be getting defensive at what you say to them and then being like, oh, is that just because you don't want to hear it? And like, I just thought that was an interesting note. Yeah, it's something I had to learn. Um, that's another thing I think Natalie has necess- not necessarily taught me, but reminded me of, you know, not that I ever, try- I mean, when it comes to Natalie, uh, like I have a therapist and things like that. Uh, I am, she is my partner. Uh, she is my equal. I, I don't often give her any advice whatsoever. Imagine uh, you walk around like asking, like it's like ask Nick in your, in your house. God, I would hate me. Um, and so, um, yeah, you really, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's important for people to remember, like it works on my show because people are calling in or ask Nick, you know, with the book that does make me a little nervous, to be honest, because I'm putting this out there, uh, and hoping people pick it up and give it a chance. And, you know, there's some honesty in that book that, that you have to be ready for. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I hope, uh, if you're someone who reads this book, just again, know that this is coming from a place of, uh, of, of not from judgment, but from someone who's really struggled with it. So if, uh, if I'm, I'm throwing out some hard truths, um, 
there's no judgment. Again, this book is not about understanding other people. I mean, we, I talk about other people and why they might be doing what they're doing, but I can only guess about other people's intentions. I'm just trying, if you're reading this book, I, I kind of wrote this book with the hopes that like, I'm having a one-on-one -on -one conversation mm -hmm. with someone. It reads and like that. It reads like your voice for sure. And as someone who's yeah. read every bachelor book for better or for worse, um, it definitely feels like you're talking to, to you. Yeah. And so my hope is just like, it, it would be just kind of, um, you know, like to, to just say, Hey, that pat on the back of, you know, where, you know, that, that you're, you're, we're doing a lot of same, same things over and over. And yes, you might've been wronged. Yes. You might've been, you know, stuck in a, like a, you've been dating someone who's toxic or you've dealt with a fuck boy and that's not to take anything off of their responsibility of how they might've mistreated you or taking you for granted or, or, or led you on, but I can't, I don't, I'm not speaking to them, you know, mm -hmm. I'm speaking to you and, and there's still things that we can look at and to help you, you know, either worry about it less, beat yourself up over it less, and then take what happened and maybe pull a few nuggets so that you're better prepared for the future. And instead of being scared about the possibility of the future or frustrated or exhausted about trying, you can have a little bit more optimism, a little more hope, a little bit more patience, and then enjoy the time that you're in rather than just constantly want to be at a different place in your life. That feels like a really good way to end it. But I did want to ask you because I can't help myself. I know you want to have Tino on Vile Files. What's your number one question for Tino if you get him in the studio or on the Zoom? Uh, it's going to happen. Okay. I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> um, yeah, it's I've, I spoke with him yesterday, I think. And again, I think it was really important for him to take time to, to take care of his mental health. Um, I don't want to give too much away. I think people will be surprised. Uh, from what I understand of what I think he wants to talk about, uh, I think he's someone who's done a lot of reflecting. Um, and so I really just want to give him my platform to, to say what he has to say. I mean, certainly I, I will ask the appropriate questions that are out there in terms of, you know, uh, what happened and why. What was in the notebook? That's what I yeah. want to know. What, what was in the was, journal? <laughs> what was in the journal? Um, but I am curious. I'm curious of how, you know, especially now that a couple of weeks have gone, um, how does he want to approach this? Uh, what, what, what level of accountability is he interested or willing to take? Does he see it differently? Does he have more information out there that, um, so I really, I'm really curious how he kind of comes in and the energy he brings into the room. And I, I try uh, certainly I try to prep for my interviews, but I really want to kind of just see where it goes. And I, I, yeah. I kind of think of my questions from there, but I, uh, from the, the little few conversations I've had with them. And again, most of it is at first, I just, you know, I, I, I do really care about the people who go on this show. I know with, when, with recaps, you know, we, we snark at times, but, um, you know, whether I, I, I offer a criticism or whatever recap in the show, uh, I do care about these people's mental health. Um, you know, certainly they decide to go on a show and, and they, they open themselves up for criticism, but, uh, um, there's a line for sure, which I, I can, you know, better than anyone. Yeah. If I can help them, I want to be a friend first, uh, and, and a host second, but, um, uh, if he's willing, um, I, I think my hope is that it ends up being a, a positive conversation. Um, I, I certainly hope he brings some tea, but at the same time, uh, I want uh, I want this to be more of a um, a positive interview for everyone. Quite honestly, 
than anything else. But we will, that's up to Tino. Uh, yeah. So we will we'll see how it goes. Maybe a few moments he doesn't take the high road, just for me personally, but he can take the high road the majority of the time, selfishly. Well, well everyone just- can listen to that, I'm sure. And Vile Files has like three episodes a week at this point. I feel like every day there's a new one. Are you up to three uh, or four? What do you do? We're at three right now with... We're at four once a month for the update show, which might be expanding. So three, you know, three point two five. Right, and the uh, book is out now. Don't text your happy. Don't text your ex happy birthday. You can get it anywhere. I would assume. Uh, you can, yeah. It's on Audible. Uh, you can listen to it if you're dyslexic like me. Uh, I'll, I'm reading it if you mm-hmm. if you can't get enough of my voice. But also, like the book is. Um, I, I wrote it like like a manual that like you can you know read it from bookend to bookend, but. Um, if you're out there and dating, it's, I want people to be able to reference back, you know, it's a, again, simple in theory, hard and hard in practice. And some, these are concepts that like, I still remind myself It's like, I go back and read and I'm like, yep, no, don't, don't do that. Like, um, I did that again. And so, uh, I really wanted to be someone that like some, a, a book that, especially with the people out there and dating and struggling that like, they can kind of carry with them. And I don't mean, I mean, hey, great. If you actually carry it with yeah, them, bring but, it with you everywhere you go. You know, just go to the bathroom there. during your date and read the book. So, if, you know, if you have a good date, there's things in there to kind of keep you grounded, to not get too ahead of yourself and, and keep you, you know, not like lose your power because you're so excited and you hope they like them. Or if you have a bad date and you're wondering, you know, how do I go from here? There's things in there to kind of, you know, just, just adjust your perspective. So much of our happiness comes with how we see any one given situation and there's so many different ways we can see a situation and so um you know i that that that's the goal of the book so you can listen to it and even get it uh and and refer refer back to it it's a great gift to get to a friend who's constantly bending your ear about their relationships or struggles uh you know christmas is coming up and things like that but uh, i really appreciate you taking the time to read it sarah um of course i do my research yeah i'm proud of the fact i actually wrote it and i i'm i'm glad that you can tell uh that through the book even if there's that's a compliment by the way i didn't mean that in a negative way i think that's your voice and the way like you can i mean like i said i've read endless books written quote unquote by anyone any reality tea whatever and you can tell like i i feel like i'm a low-key expert on what i'm trying to read and dissect but congratulations again and thank you for taking so much time and i'm sure you're just soak it all in because book release week that's so exciting yeah it's been a really rewarding experience i uh, i did a live event um the other day and uh i was caught off guard by the i, I started crying <laughs> in a room full of uh of 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 uh, it was it was primarily women in the room but uh i i was caught off guard um it was really rewarding i didn't expect i'm not very good at that you know that stuff and uh i was really grateful for for the people who showed up and the people who who listened to my show who have read the book um i have a hard time enjoying um things that i do but uh, call it big, success uh, it's success it's been, real, it's been a real special week um so really just thank you to everyone who's who's ever listened or taken the time to read the book and uh i hope they enjoy it thank you all for tuning into this supersized episode of here for the right reasons don't forget to dm me at sarah heron let me know what your favorite part was what your least favorite part was if you feel so inclined and come back next week for more bachelor nation content